I'm Sean Kennedy, and this is Backstage at the Enharmonic. Today's guest is drummer Jimmy Wormworth, perhaps best known for playing drums with the groundbreaking vocal jazz ensemble Lambert Hendricks and Ross. He also played with other jazz luminaries and toured and recorded with them, such as Al Haig and Lou Donaldson. And throughout 1959, he was the house drummer at the Five Spot. This edition of Backstage at the Enharmonic is very special. It's the first interview that I've actually done and conducted live and in person. Before I begin the interview, I have to give a heartfelt thanks to bass player Mike Merritt and Jimmy's son, James, also an acclaimed drummer. They suggested that I do this interview and facilitated communication with Jimmy and his girlfriend, Faith. Thanks, guys. The range of topics that we discuss are as varied as Jimmy's career. We talk about his work with Lambert Hendricks and Ross, and notably, the inequities in network television in the late 50s and early 60s. We discuss his early influences and what inspired him to become a musician. We talk about the calling card of every great jazz drummer, their ride cymbal sound. He shares openly his opinions and thoughts about new music. And he even offers words of wisdom for young and aspiring drummers of every age. Today's interview begins in the late 50s with Jimmy's recollections of meeting Kenny Clark. Did you uh, get a chance to interact with Kenny Clark at all back in those days? <coughs> uh, Al Levitt hooked us up with a month at a club, which became famous later, the Lashaki Pesh. Uh, Kluk let us all sit in. Me, really? Salamico, the trumpet player, George Braith. Yeah, and uh, we played with Lucky. I can remember we, one of the tunes we played was I Remember April, you know. Yeah. And uh, so when we got off the bandstand, Kluk's got this big smile on his face. He motions to me, come here, come over here. And I go over there and he kisses me on the cheek. And I, <laughs> but that's all I remember. I don't remember what he said, but I mean, he, <laughs> you know, if he's smiling, like, oh, right. yeah, that tastes good. You know? <laughs> right. Or something. Or, wow. Or, wow, that's a beautiful car. Or, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I knew he was, he was complimenting me. Okay. Right. Did you have you washed your cheek since? Ha, 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 ha. Man, sick. how old was I then? I was just turning 20. Yeah, wow. I saw him, uh, the next time I saw him was when, uh, in the 80s, I think. Really? Yeah. There was a guy who lived in the next block from me. <clears throat> who was uh, a photographer, a half-assed saxophone player, <laughs> and a junkie. And he was in Rikers Island with Sonny Rollins. Oh, my God. And some other guys. So Peck Morrison knew this guy. What was his name? Marty Yoss. And Peck said, hey, man, uh, uh, the guy in the next block from you, he's going to have a party. Uh, and Percy and Jimmy will be there. I'll be there. Howard Brofsky, the, the professor, uh, musicologist, he'll be there. Blah, blah, blah. So I went there, and uh, that's how I got to know this guy. And I don't remember how long it was after that. <coughs> Morty Yoss calls me up. He said, hey, man, uh, I'm having a little jam session in my living room. Uh, and Kluke is here. Oh, wow. Uh, but he ain't got no drums. So you have some drums? I said, yeah, well, man, uh, I don't remember if I had, I had to do a club date that day or what. But anyway, I had uh, extra stuff. And I brought it over there. And I met Kluke outside of the apartment building. I said, oh, man, do you remember blah, 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 blah. He says, no, sorry. <laughs> I said, oh, thanks. Yeah, it, was a, it would have been a long time, like yeah, 30 years yeah. later, right, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah right, almost, right, right. That was 57, the summer of 57. Okay. And I'm talking about the 80s. Or, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. He gave you a kiss. 
Yeah. Um, what was it like when you first started playing with uh, Lambert Hendricks and Ross, like the touring? What was that like? Because you had been kind of in one spot miserable. a little bit. Was it really? Yeah, because because they flew Andy, Dave, and John. Uh-huh. And me, Ike, and Gilda Mahonis, and John Hendricks' brother, Jim, who was the road manager, we traveled in a station wagon. <laughs> all together? One station wagon? Yeah, and all their stuff that didn't <laughs> go on the plane. Oh, my Andy's God. gowns and blah, blah, blah. Bass, drums. I have pictures of it, but of the station, a big, huge Mercury station mm -hmm. wagon. And had a t the top was was filled with stuff with a tarp over it. Uh -huh. It looked like we were going to, to uh, Timbuktu or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... Man, I'm, I'm cramped up. My leg is getting numb and blah, blah, blah. And so one time, uh, I stretched out in the back on top of Annie's gowns, which were in those big plastic bags. Uh -huh. I said, yeah, this is a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I got to see a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but uh, mostly from afar. Well, okay. While we're going 70 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I can remember we were driving through Arizona, and I, I said, man, can, can we go stop and see the Grand Canyon? Hell no, yeah, man, we have big blah, 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 we have a big plan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Always in a rush, right? Yeah. Yeah, hurry up. Um... <laughs> So when you started playing with them, um, the vocals are acting like instruments. Right. Was there any sort of transition? Did you have to do anything special with them, or was it just like playing with horn players? Yeah, it was pretty much. Well, it was like playing with a big band, except uh -huh. the band was only three people. Okay. But it was all kind of basic arrangements. Mm -hmm. you know? and, if, and then later on, they started doing a few other things, doodling and stuff like that, branching out from the kind of basic stuff. But... Uh, well, I, mean, I can remember Cedar Walton saying to me, I said, man, I'm looking blah, blah, blah. We came to town about the same time, and we were good friends. In fact, he crashed my wedding reception. <laughs> and uh, he said, man, that ain't jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what he meant, but uh, it wasn't exactly like what our lady had never played. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. So I had another one about Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. Anything about the interracial group was there any issues or problems or not between them not between any, we were like right, I know. we were like a family sure but i swear that one of those guys told me uh, maybe it was john or maybe it was jim hendrix's brother <clears throat> the reason we were never on network tv was because they wouldn't show a black woman standing next to a white woman wow yeah i'll never hmm. forget that man. so somebody told me that mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure it had to be probably jim hendrix or or gildo okay yeah Wow, it's terrible. Gilwood, yeah. When I've listened to a lot of your recordings, and <laughs> any jazz drummer, I think the most identifiable thing is the ride sound, the ride mm -hmm. pattern. I think it's the most personal thing in a jazz drummer's uh, repertoire. When I listen to your ride cymbal, it, it like floats along and dances and sounds... When I listen to it, it's incredible. I turn it off. No, man. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. No, it drives, but yet there's like this... It's dancing, and everyone's with it. That's it's, all. No, you couldn't have paid me a bigger compliment to say it sounds like dancing. Because that's the way I describe my favorite drummer's cymbal beats. Okay. They sound like they're tap dancing. Yeah, because that's what I was trying to get at. Like, There's this like joy in it when you play. Was it from listening to and observing dancers, other drummers you like, no. and just taking it, or... No, I no? don't think so. Okay. Just listen to the drummers, yeah. Listen yeah. to Max and all, and Roy Haynes uh -huh. and all those guys. They made it your own, you you know. Ah, uh, well, I tried to do what they did, right. and I tried. 
I, st I first got interested in music when my uncle, uh, who was a hell of a musician, uh, <coughs> bought all these records to use on this uh, combination. That's way before your time. That would be a, a radio and a turntable mm -hmm. and a furniture. Head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> it was only 78s then. That was like 46. <coughs> and my uncle, the saxophone player, bought all these he bought an Artatum album hmm. like 78s mm -hmm. you ever see those old oh yeah and uh, some Nellie Lutcher singles she was really big then and what else Nat Cole trio singles mm. oh greatest yeah <laughs> but not that much singing no so he sang on all most of them but not on all mm -hmm. of them yeah and even even on the vocal ones man he played a solo sometimes mm -hmm. a guitar player Henry Prince or whoever mm -hmm. Henry Prince he was a bass player I think. but anyway that's what took me in a whole different direction. Man. Hmm. Yeah, forget baseball, forget... The, I mean, I love sports. I can't play it. I'm awkward and all that. Mm -hmm. But I love the people who can play it. I love watching sure. it. So what would your ride cymbal uh, has such an identifiable sound? What size? Uh, the one with Lamar Hendrix or Ross? Yeah. Man, I don't even know where I got that symbol. It was old as hell, mm -hmm. and it was worn, so you didn't need a tilter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I made all the lemon. Man, I didn't care about anything then, except chicks and money, uh -huh. and all these babies I was having. <laughs> and so I, I didn't take care of my drums. Mm. And uh, it seemed like it sounded pretty good on some of those records. Yeah, was it, it was 20 an eighteen inch. inch? Oh, no, 18 it was an eighteen. Inch. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It seems to me I had a twenty also. Uh, I don't know where the hell I got it. Well, before I left home, <coughs> Ronnie Zito and I were like, there was only us in the town who mm -hmm. played drums, played that kind of music. And somehow he found out about this guy in this town about 20 miles east of Utica called Little Falls. Anyway, this guy, I don't know where the hell he got all these, all these zillion seconds. Hmm. And I had my father's bass drum was like, 24 or something like that. And he cut it down. He could cut down bass drums oh. into 20 inch. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Sam Plimacek. And I might have gotten the bigger symbol I had from him. And I don't know where I got that 18 inch from. It was old as hell. Hmm. Yeah. What size hats? 14? I think I had 13. 13? Okay. Yeah. I never, yeah. Any uh, sizzles in any of your symbols? You just let them plain? No, I don't think I had any sizzles. No. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't remember when the first symbol I got with sizzles was. Nice. What type of sticks do you uh, fancy? Five A's, something smaller? Uh, so my favorite sticks are uh, the hell's the company in Buffalo? Oh, um, Regal Tip? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What the hell is his name? I know him and his daughter, too. Um, Seven A. Yeah. Colado. Colado. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, they're great some they're great sticks. They just seem to fit my my hand. Uh, they're the smallest seven eighths I ever saw. They're short and slightly stubby. Yeah. But they don't feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for like young people that might listen to this or watch this that want to get into music as a career? Try to say the most as possible with the fewest words. Like Dizzy said, he wrote the world's shortest tune ever. 
One, two, one, two, three, four, pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's as he says that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But I mean, that's uh, man, Kluke. You don't see Kluke being all busy all over the place, man. Mm -hmm. I think Tony ruined it for a lot of those young guys, man. Mm. Especially not the, the youngest ones now, but right before them, who are like maybe four or five years older than some of these young guys I hear now. Mm -hmm. uh, and man, I said, look, man, did you ever listen to Kenny Clark? What do you think this just started with Tony Williams? I mean, holy cow, man. And why are you playing all those 16th note triplets? You ain't Elvin. <laughs> he knows where to put them, and you don't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> This might be a strange question, but to ask a musician, but do you still enjoy listening to new music? New music? I don't yeah. know what you mean. Like newly recorded things, or do you listen to older things that you're more familiar with? Well, or? have you heard any any new Beethoven's lately? No. <laughs> right. I don't know why that is. Uh huh. I mean, John Cage. I don't think so. Man, if you can't play rhythm, at least give me some damn melody <laughs> or, some, or some harmony, you know, right. something I can relate to. Man. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not, I, that, that job is too beyond me. Okay. <laughs> man, as this music, people love it so much because it has rhythm. Mm -hmm. And rhythm is in everything. Yeah. Man, you can't help it. You could listen to Spike Jones or... or, or, or the captain and Tennille, that's the rhythm, and all of a sudden your leg is going, yep. man, I hate this shit, but I can't beat it, right? <laughs> right, right. Because we're all controlled by rhythm. Our heart, everything is controlled by rhythm. Right. Uh, uh, the, the, date, you know, the days and the nights are controlled by rhythm. Mm -hmm. Seasons are controlled by rhythm. Yeah. They always happen all the same, all the time. Uh, your heart, and that, I, and I think there's something that, I don't know about other species, but humans are, are just... Uh, are like prison prisoners of rhythm. Mm -hmm. We're chained to rhythm. So anything with good rhythm is kind of your bag. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Or good melody, it's, I guess. It's, no, it's it's a natural talent. Okay. I, I when I was a kid, I listened to cowboy music. Some guy had a uh uh, uh, uh country and western show on the radio. Yeah, like when Gene Autry stuff or like that. He played all kind of stuff. He okay. played um, uh, Hank Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Tennessee Ernie, who mm -hmm. became Ernie Ford when mm -hmm. he had a TV show. <clears throat> I still remember a couple of those tunes. I think it was Hank Williams. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. <laughs> My dad loved Hank Williams. He loved it. It was his favorite. That record is hilarious. <laughs> He's talking through most of it. Uh huh. It's, it's, it's more or less like I got written. So there was a chorus. Uh, where the band would sing, it's like, smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke until you smoke yourself to death. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate, I just hate to make him wait, but I just got it. I have another cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the music and the rhythm was fantastic. Yeah. It was really talented guys. They just happened to fall into that neighborhood yeah. over there, and I happened to fall into this neighborhood. Okay. Like a melodic line that's strangely constructed. It could be it could be strangely constructed and, and new and all that, but it has to fit the harmony. Mm -hmm. And like like Martin Williams said in uh, Encyclopedia Americana about jazz, he said Charlie Parker had an extraordinary sense of melodic art order. Mm -hmm. Right. 
It's, he'd play one phrase, wow, and he'd play the next phrase, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Outside of music, do you have any other hobbies or interests? Well, I love talking with young musicians about mm. music and what I think. Man, about 12 years ago, they have a program called Jazz in the Schools, <coughs> where they pay older musicians to go and play in senior citizen centers mm -hmm. or in, in grade schools. And I did both of them. And they, they were giving us two, two a month. It was great. It pays good money. Mm -hmm. Triple what the what the what the hell you call it pays. <coughs> Smalls mm. or, or uh, Mesereau. And uh, so I hired Charles Davis's band, mm. <coughs> Tyrell Hammer and Lee Hudson, and we did it for years. I thought. Mm. You could let him hear one sentence. What's that advice? Uh, tr like I said earlier, try and tell a story that is that sounds profound to the people listening with the fewest amount of words. In other words, man, don't be all over the goddamn drums. If you could swing, I mean, Art Blakey wasn't known for, uh, even his solos, man, he played the same shit all the time. And I mean, it was entertaining and it was still swinging, but he was known for his beat. Mm. Right? <coughs> so, and Kenny Clark, the same thing. Yep. So, man, <coughs> that's what you, that, the drummer has to provide the rhythm. Beat, uh, I mean, the beat. Okay, so everybody does. The trumpet player's got to have a good sense of rhythm. The piano player, right? you don't want him copping all weird mm -hmm. shit, man. Well, that's great advice. It's perfect. And to me, if you, if you can just swing, man, feel the beat. You know, if you love the feeling rhythm, Try concentrating on that. And just don't, don't, man, I always played with the other guys instead of making that play with me. Uh -huh. Learn yeah. how to play the cymbal so the people listening to you, they can't sit still. They got to tap their foot, they got to tap their hand, even if they're not consciously doing it. Yeah. If they're looking at the barmaid, and your foot's still going because the beat is making you do that. Yeah. That's what you want to do as a drummer. And that's all they really care about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how you play the beat. Some guys want more than that. Like Al Haig. I asked him, uh, well, man, uh, well, what do you like about my playing? He said, well, for one thing, you have a lovely touch. That meant so much to me because I was always conscious of how you touch it, how you can get different sounds by manipulating mm -hmm. the stick different ways, use the tip, and how you hit the cymbal. And that, nobody had ever mentioned that to me before. No guys who liked me and I played with, none of them ever said, well, man, you have a beautiful touch. I like your touch. So that meant a whole lot to me. And another time he said to me, well, Jim, you know your music. <laughs> he was real waspy. He called me Jim. Yeah, Jim. That's what my mother and him called me. Nobody else. <laughs> so I would say, just play the goddamn cymbal. <laughs> Perfect. Every now and then you give a yes or a no, uh -huh. or a how about that, <laughs> bop, bop, ba, da, something. Nice. But that's just comments, man, and you don't want to be playing, you don't want to be talking all the time. Because, except when you're soloing. Mm -hmm. Then you talk all you want, until they get tired of you. <laughs> I'd like to thank Jimmy and his girlfriend, Faith. 
for graciously inviting me to come to their home in Philadelphia to conduct this interview on a beautiful fall evening in September of 2021. It was indeed an honor to sit down and chat with a musician of such a highly lauded drumming career. I'd also like to thank the folks behind the scenes that helped me get this interview on the airwaves. First, thank you to drummer and percussionist extraordinaire David Liu for accompanying me to the live interview and running tech for this special session. Having done so many of these interviews over the years, I've come to realize that I certainly don't have all the answers, but I don't have all the questions either. So I reached out to some musical friends to help me formulate some meaningful questions to Jimmy. So thanks to the following great jazz drummers and friends, Clayton Cameron, Colleen Clark, Sherry Miracle, and David Stanick. And thanks to three of my favorite singers for helping out too and giving me some suggestions for questions. Lindsay Roberts, Rachel Zakoff, and Keith Spencer. And I even went and asked some of my vocal music experts, some of the finest conductors, arrangers, and composers on the planet. Thanks to Donald Nally, Jeffrey Smith, John Conahan, Peter Hilliard, and Richard Wilhelm for providing me with questions. For more great in-depth behind-the-scenes interviews like this, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, or wherever you tune in for thought-provoking content. And one last thing, if you like what you heard today, please leave a rating or comment under this podcast. I'm Sean J. Kennedy, and this has been another edition of Backstage at the Enharmonic. Thanks for listening. <laughs>